Today, I'm sitting down with Dan Murray Serta and Dr. Tara Swart, the brains behind Heights. As co-founder and chief science officer, respectively, they have truly poured heart, soul, and science into this brand. Stay tuned for more on their journey. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Founder Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable & Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable & Main has been an incredible journey so far, and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you're an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guests for today, Dan and Tara. First, it goes without saying that they are two trailblazers in their own right. Dan is the co-founder of Heights, host of the UK's number one business podcast, Secret Leaders, co-founder of the Founders Network and contributor at Forbes. Tara, the chief science officer at Heights, is an Oxford University trained doctor, neuroscientist with over 25 years of experience in the field, best-selling author, and I have her book, which I love, and leadership coach. With their shared passion for brain care, Dan and Tara created Heights as a way to help people take their health to new heights and understand that brain care is the most important step we can take to improve our overall well-being. The brand Smart Supplement offers a daily dose of this, bottling 20 high-impact vitamins and minerals, but this is just the start. From the monster formulating and latest research into gut health to celebrity ambassadors and brain care podcasting, I cannot wait to dive in. So, Tara, Dan, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having us. We love your product. Well, I don't, Dan, have you used the products? Your mane's looking very good. That's very kind of you. I was going to say my, my mane is so many. I don't use any product ever. Um, and not because, not for any reason, as in uh, just in your introduction, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try that because I have such unruly hair. Oh. Um Basically, I'm Jewish, and so I tend to find that anything I try to do with my hair just makes it worse than it already was. So I just kind of like leave it because I'm just so over trying. Wait, it looks good. So if you don't need to, I always say less is more, you know. Uh, I'm the same with my skincare. Like I tend to like, I get so many products sent to me and I try a bit, but I'm like, I just don't need a lot. I'm just like, sometimes less is more if you don't need it. So, um, but yeah, well, make sure we'll send you products to try. Yeah, I'd lo- I genuinely would love to try it because um, yeah. I, yeah, like I said, I'm not, it's not like I, I'm purposefully lazy. It's just that I genuinely believe it's because I've got like, I, I rarely talk about being Jewish when it comes to hair. I find like it's quite relatable because it's just impossible that nothing I do can make it look good. So I just leave it. That's a whole other podcast, but <laughs> I'm so excited to, to get into how the journey began with Heights. But I, I do have my first question I ask all my guests. I'll start with you, Dan. Um, who in a nutshell is Dan? Ooh, Dan is someone who speaks about himself in the third person, <laughs> most importantly. Uh, okay, how would I describe myself now? I'm aspiring to be the best dad ever. And I think I'm doing quite a good job of it so far because I'm a new dad. Up until I had a daughter, I think I focused my whole life and purpose around my work. And now I focus it more around, okay, how can I be a super awesome present father and then work out everything else around it? And actually from doing that, it's, I think, made me more balanced across the board. Um, aspiring awesome father, entrepreneur, 
it would be second label. And I think third label, if we're doing labels, which of course we are, Akash, yep. I would say on a journey, as we all are, of spiritual enlightenment. So I'm um, very far from it. Um, but then who isn't very far from that point? Yeah. But a very keen student of all spiritual practices from all over the world and love learning about them and love catching myself out the many times throughout a day when I'm not living them. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, I, I can re- relate a lot to uh, being Jane and um, growing up in a very spiritual household. My, my grandfather, actually, when he passed away, um, we, we say he reached moksha enlightenment because um, he had a, actually a third eye uh, lit up here. And uh, he was best friends with Osho. So him and Osho were traveling around the world a lot. And uh, he was a healer. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So um, that's quite a claim. Yeah. So. I grew up like in school, for example, going to school um, every morning. Uh, I, I grew up in North London. Uh, I remember like all my friends would like listen to radio. I'll be listening to Osho lectures in my car. Not out of choice at the time, but as my parents just had them always playing. I guess it, it really helped a lot now because I grew up with such very spiritual kind of upbringing. So very, very, very much relate to what you said. So that's amazing. What a, what a good definition of yourself as well. So love that. Tara would love to know who in a nutshell... Are you? Well, so interesting. We all grew up in North London and we're Jewish or Indian. Yes. There's a a lot of commonalities there. I would say that I've always said I'm a chameleon. It makes sense now that my whole life is about neuroplasticity. So like change, transformation, evolution, exposing myself to new experiences, free spirit kind of person. Um, Similarly to you, I, like I said, grew up in North London had all the meditation and yoga and chanting and incense at home and then went to school and wanted to be like my friends. But again, feel the same that having that cultural heritage and that spiritual upbringing is just so amazing now that I can put that together with the scientist that I also am. Well, yeah, speaking of North London, so um, we have all of that in common. Uh, I went to Habs, I don't know if you know Habs, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Uh, so I was there for 11 years. I grew up in Edgware and then I moved to Hertfordshire. Um, but uh, I would love to know from both your angles, like your first, can I ask my guests, like your first memories of whether it's beauty, mindfulness, but growing up. Yeah, so um, my mother brought us up in a very Ayurvedic way. So everything that we ate and um, she was always making face masks out of like oats and yogurt and honey and weird things like that. But I, I would say the biggest thing for me that is just so embedded in my brain is mindful eating. So um, I'm Hindu and we had to give gratitude to God before we took the first bite of food. And it was such a strict rule that now I can't not do it. So I always pause before I eat, give gratitude. I try to eat mindfully, like eat, chew really slowly and kind of really savour the the textures and the tastes and everything. And I also cook mindfully. So yeah, I think that's a huge part of my life because it was absolutely everything that I saw around me from beauty to food to the way you talk to people and pay attention to people and that kind of thing. And Dan, how about yourself? Just being totally honest, um, I didn't grow up in a particularly spiritual household. I discovered spirituality in my mid-twenties. And I grew up, you know, I always say to people, Jewish is weird because Jewish is a religion and a race, um, which is very unusual. And so um, I identify with the racial and cultural part of Judaism my dad was religiously Jewish. My mum was religiously not Jewish, as atheist. Um, so I, I had this weird 
you know, experience with that kind of stuff, if that makes sense. Um, and I would certainly say, you know, I meet people today, even my own colleagues at Heights, you know, they're in their early 20s and they're so, in my opinion anyway, so close up to self-actualization and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm like, my God, I was just so basic when I was your age, like so basic. I was just interested in football and girls and... Um, like really not much else music festivals it's just honestly a, a very different person yeah and uh i'm always utterly amazed when i meet you know gen z and people who are between i don't know 16 and 25 at the moment how much more mature they seem than i ever did at that age so you know even listening to tara like mindful eating i mean i just grew up fat whatever the opposite of mindful eating was i just did that <laughs> um i just did too much eating um yeah. <laughs> so you know I'm I'm very inspired when other people talk about their you know their developed journeys as teens but frankly I think the only thing I was particularly interested in um when I was growing up um because I grew up fat was how to be the funniest person in the room um yeah. And that was probably just my only only ever angle of focus. I know that's amazing. Well, I, I love the a, I love the honesty, and also it's the reality. And I, I can tell you, even from me growing up, I say all of those things. But trust me, it was a struggle to get me out on Sunday to go like my, to do yoga with the family or to do all the Ayurvedic rituals. But it's only later in life, sometimes when you when you need it, do you feel the value of those things? And I think um, mm-hmm. now I, I practice it myself a lot and. Um, it's the same as like even as basic things like running. I remember growing up in school, I used to be like, oh, I used to pretend I was ill. I would never want to go to PE class. And now I'm like running every day on my own accord. So it yeah. finds you yeah, 100%. at different different times and when you need it. I think, I think as well, these things, you know, I, I think about this stuff a lot in terms of um, my upbringing and where motivation comes from and stuff. And, you know, I suppose sometimes I wonder, my parents didn't particularly value health enough my father died when I was 24 of poor health broadly speaking um which creates a triggering response in you to suddenly mm. realize oh my god um dad died so young because x y and z and he didn't focus on these things I don't want that um my my love my dad my dad was amazing but like my entire childhood my dad was in and out of hospital mm. and so if I think about that downstream impact on where that was in in my relationship with him and then also how I want to live my life, you know, it's very common, right, with kids, you know, you have that zig and zag thing that they talk about in advertising, you know, your parents do one thing, you rebel against the other. So ironically and sadly, because my dad was so unhealthy, I'm very focused on health. Um, These are things that really trigger me because there's a lot of mental health and, and brain health issues in my family. I'm very focused on those things. And so all I can hope is that just because I care about my health and I care about these things. My daughter doesn't decide to rebel against me. <laughs> and the vicious cycle continues. That's very, very true. That also will tie really nicely into like how then also height started. But I do want to talk a little bit about your individual journeys because, I mean, again, you could do a whole podcast and then they're absolutely incredible. But I'll start with you, Tara. If you want to paint us like a synopsis of um, your experience uh, in creating the source, writing source to... Uh, working, you know, as a neuroscientist. Tell us about how that journey came to be. Well, it really comes from what we've discussed already, which is, or started to discuss, which is being the first child of first-generation immigrant Indians to the UK. Yeah. And the expectation on me to become a doctor, which I've been aware of since the age of two. So not having any choice 
but to go to medical school. And luckily, yeah. I was good at science, but actually I was really good at languages. I was really good at history and geography. I just wonder what else I could have done. Um, yeah. But I dutifully went to medical school. I did love the neuro aspect of everything. So like um, neuroanatomy, neurophysiology, neuropharmacology. And so when I got the opportunity to do a PhD, I, I took three years out to do a PhD in neuropharmacology. Um, I'm the kind of person that can just walk around a pharmacy and just look at all the different kinds of tablets and just feel so fascinated by them and think that they're, you know, the packaging's beautiful and everything. And so I thought I wanted to become a neurologist. But when I came back to medical school, I became more fascinated by mental health and how your brain could play tricks on you, change your mood, you know, against your will, um, make you hear voices that weren't really there. I just thought that would be endlessly fascinating. So then I specialised in psychiatry and worked as a psychiatrist for seven years um, and so through that, I really saw the poorest, saddest, most lonely, broken elements of society. And I felt that there must be something more holistic that we could do for people who were suffering in that way. Or, you know, and later when I left medicine and became an executive coach, people who were suffering from stress, but people who have a big impact on society and that if they were less stressed, that would be better for their teams, their families, their companies, social, you know, corporate social responsibility. You know, and I've had a more sort of like on and off relationship with spirituality in my life. There were definitely times where I thought that cannot go along with being a doctor or a scientist. But I would say in my late 20s, early 30s, I really came back to yoga and meditation and um, mindfulness. And so the journey then was about starting to put those two things together. So from them being very separate in my personal life, it was like that. And then professional life, I would never talk about meditation or anything. Once the scanning technologies allowed us to see what actually changes in the brain when you meditate or do yoga, I could start speaking about it. I was also interested in manifestation and the laws of attraction. And the opportunity came up to write a book. And I was actually told that they had really good books on, you know, one on exercise, one on mindfulness, one on diet, and that I could write one that would bring all of those things together. And I said, I could do that. But I have this idea about writing about visualization and vision boards and Penguin loved it. So I did that. Writing, it was a big journey for me. I'm, I don't like writing. I prefer speaking. So it was hard. But it did crystallize bringing those two things together. And then it was really the response to it that kind of really convinced me that, yes, these two things can, can coexist. I, I love the book. Um, it's, it's, it's in my home. I have it on my... I have a very few selection of books that I keep in my room that I just keep, even after I read them. And, and yours is in there. So you know you've done something uh, uh, with someone who doesn't read a lot. <laughs> For me to read a book, it's already a big deal. So I'm, <laughs> I, I, I do love it. And, um, and yeah, it, I think it's... Uh, it's just great seeing the reviews and the feedback. And I think that's something that you guys have done also so well with, um, with Height as well, is just thinking about the community and who's receiving the products and, and the book, for example, and seeing people's reactions to it. I love even on your website in Heights, you have like a reviews tab straight away. It shows how the community is at the forefront of everything. Um, but uh, Dan, I would love to know a little bit about your story and your journey. And I mean... I don't even know where to begin, so I'll just let you take it away. Yeah, I actually, I know it's your podcast, but I have a question I've never even asked Tara. How long did it take you to write the source? I wrote it every weekend for a year. That's a, what? That's amazing. That's so fast. 
Oh God, it felt like forever. I mean, I was still working full time. And that, as you know, for me, includes going to America at least twice a year, Australia yeah. once a year. So it was really hard work. That's um, really impressive, I have to say. Bearing in mind that I know quite a lot of people who write books, um, they write, it takes a lot longer than that. That's amazing. That's good discipline as well. Like I just went back into medical student mode. That was the only way I could cope with it. <laughs> so just, bit, yeah, I had to be very, very focused and disciplined. And Dan, I'm gonna, obviously, uh, like you, you know, you should speak next. But I'd love to uh, uh, for us at some point to weave in the story of then how we met and like brought our work together as well. Uh, that's coming. That's a big question I have because I'm very curious on that. But yeah, so so Dan, take it away with your journey. Yeah, so very high level. I worked in um, advertising after uni. I mean, technically speaking, I, I I graduated in the recession, so I actually went to work in a pub for a year um, because there were no jobs. Um, my parents were thrilled. Um, <laughs> that I had uh, spent so long in uh, in education and then higher education to go work in a pub. Um, but I enjoyed it. Um, by very good coincidence, that happened to be the pub that Camden Town Brewery was started in. So I actually got to start um, learning a little bit about, you know, an entrepreneurial venture inside a pub, which is quite an unusual experience if you're just bartending. I then, as you might imagine, it's very good talking. So I managed to talk my way into a job in advertising with one of our punters. From there, I stayed in advertising for a few years until uh, my best friend, Joel, who was working in PwC at the time, just had the entrepreneurial itch and was very much trying to nag me to leave my job, which I still remember to this day was like the most terrifying thing ever because I was well paid, I was well respected, I had a really good, I'd, I'd, I'd basically just grown in my career very quickly. So I felt like I was on the path to something really special in advertising. So I felt a lot of anxiety to leave an industry that I, I think when you're young, obviously, um, it's interesting, the older you get, the time periods that you spend in each thing feel like a bigger deal in your life, right? So I guess because I'd been in professional employment for three or four years and rose up the ranks really quickly, so I was 24, um, in advertising, but, you know, uh, had big remits and big, a big role. It felt very grandiose for my age, seeing people around me. And so I had this inflated sense of uh, accomplishment in my head that felt uh, like a lot of pressure to leave and start from scratch. He just kept persisting that we should try stuff. So the very long story short is he won that argument and I left my job. And um, I started a company with him, which was um, which actually went really well. Uh, we had the very good foresight when it was going well to just stop it. It wasn't going so exponentially amazing. I actually remember where I was. Tara was in the New Forest. I say Tara because that's where she spends a lot of time. We're in the New Forest together. And we were like, this has gone quite well. Uh, I guess we could just like stop or we could try and make it a really big thing. Those are kind of our two options. And for whatever reason, and by the way, it's very hard to um, overemphasize this point. Other entrepreneurs will know. This is an unbelievably mature decision that... Mm usually only happens to very experienced entrepreneurs, not first timers, but we just decided to stop and take the money that we had got um, from this business and just stop and email our customers, move on to the next thing. And it's only now, like 10 years later, I realized like, how unbelievably mature that decision really was because it's impossible to know when to stop um, anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that happens in entrepreneurship and did happen to us is you get trapped. You can get trapped by your own decision. You can get trapped in a business that's big and working and you know we always talk about businesses that fail but something that I always recommend to entrepreneurs to think about when they're really thinking about what they go after and start is what happens if it goes well if it goes well and you're stuck doing this thing for 10 to 20 years you're still gonna love it like how like how are you going to maneuver yourself out of it if you don't love it anymore it's a really interesting like psychological experiment anyway we started a company called Grabble together um in tech 
and uh, at the intersection of fashion and tech, actually. And uh, it was a surprise hit. After the first year, it was not a hit. Nothing had happened, basically, except we'd basically lost all of our money that we'd invested into it. But then after a year, you know, we, we decided to pivot it to mobile. Uh, we got rid of our website, which is a super brave move because we just spent an entire year building a website and all this tech and everything. And we're like, last roll of the dice had a month worth of money left. So let's get rid of the website. Focus on mobile. It was a big risk. It was the right risk. It took off, yeah. went trending in, on number one on Twitter and um, globally. Around Christmas, I have a great screenshot on Christmas Day, actually, we were the number two trending hashtag after uh, Shrek 2 and before Christmas. Hilarious. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really cool. So we got, we got really good at Twitter and like learning how to, go, how to go viral, and it happened quite a few times. And we got to number one in the App Store. And the long story short is that journey was exciting and it went really well, but we were two entrepreneurs that didn't really know what we were doing. And so um, we're sort of making it up as we go, which is what a lot of entrepreneurs do do. But we never figured out the business model. So this was all great and boom years when you could raise more money. We raised millions of pounds and we had lots of different employees and we hired too quickly and we never built a values-based culture. Um, and that sounds like not that big a deal. What's the worst that can happen? But the reality is you hire very smart people who are there for the good times. And then when things get hard, they don't really have the right energy or enthusiasm to work it out for you. So they sort of just start to jump ship. And that's what happened to us. So the company failed. We learned a lot from that experience. Um, zero regrets. I think it was a great experience. And um, I, I, I mean, I learned so much from that. But like I said, one of the things I actually learned was I don't care enough about that category being fashion and technology. It's not something that I personally care about enough to want to work my whole life in if it came to that. Which is why I got really lucky with brain care because... You know, I've always been interested in mental health. I'm certainly interested in the brain. I was very much outsider from this point of view. Um, I don't know anything about it, relatively speaking, right? At the time, I was just a guy who had had my own mental health experiences, a lot of them. I'd had burnout, which happens um, when you're an entrepreneur. It's, it's quite a common thing. Um, but I had burnout, I had depression, I had insomnia, anxiety, bulimia. So like quite a lot of different things over many different years. The main, main, main thing, though, that was the worst of all of them was insomnia. And um, I'd gone through my own journey with insomnia. So uh, I'd had six months of six months of this experience where, you know, I basically obviously couldn't sleep. Um, and I I went, I did all the things you would do. You know, I read the books. I did meditations. I, um, I went to see psychotherapists. I went to see doctors, you know, who gave me sleeping pills. But it was only when a friend said, have you thought about nutrition? Have you been to see a nutritionist or a dietitian? That I was like, no, I've never thought of that. And I went to see a dietitian. She gave me supplements. They worked. I slept. And suddenly I was like, what the hell is this? No one in my six-month journey to medical professionals ever suggested a nutritionist or dietitian, ever. No one suggested nutrition. No one even gave an inkling. It was a friend. And that's when I was like, wow, this intersection of mental health and nutrition is fascinating because no one talks about it. No one with any kind of obvious, credible title to their name ever bothered to suggest it. And yet it's the only thing that worked. And I could have saved myself six months of pain by doing this at the same time. I wouldn't have not meditated. I wouldn't have not gone to see a therapist. I wouldn't have not gone to sleep therapist. I just would have had brain better brain nutrition and, and been improving my mental health so anyway that was kind of the starting point for heights where I was like 
this just seems like an unbelievable area. And the more I read about it, the more I realized, okay, there's, there's science papers on this stuff. There's, there's reams and reams and reams of information about this stuff. So it's understandable that I don't know about it because I'm Joe Public, right? I'm just your general guy with broad health information that I broadly get from a mix of social media and news and my parents and all the other places, people who aren't in any of those professions would pick up that kind of information. But why did none of the medical professionals have any idea to suggest any of this stuff to me? It just seems like fertile ground. So this was when I was like, this just feels like the place I want to spend my next 10, 20 years. There's, you know, I think with entrepreneurs, finding an idea is really hard. Um, finding a passion area is always a good idea because you'll you'll be excited about it. Um, but finding an area that there's scientific evidence that no one knows about, I mean, that's a goldmine. That doesn't happen very often. So this is how I, this is how the, it all really started. This is where, you know, Joel and I got together and started saying, let's start investigating all this stuff. And we started writing a newsletter, which was all about um, nutrition, psychology and neuroscience. Um, and we share something every single week that we were learning because our, our whole process was, there's a saying in neuroscience, which is if you learn it once, um, so you read something, you learn it once. If you share it, you learn it twice. So we were like, okay, I will read stuff in science papers every week and I will share it in that newsletter. And by rewriting it, I am cementing the neural pathways in my brain, which is neuroplasticity and action. So I go from Dan, who knows nothing about the brain, to Dan, who is accumulating week on week only scientific information about the brain that will, over X period of time, compound to me having a good understanding. So... I was doing that from a selfish point of view and to build an audience. And that's actually how I met Tara because, you know, I was researching papers and books and things that I can recommend with my audience. And that's how I came across the source. And I think I was on my honeymoon in Japan um, when I'd, uh, I'd, I'd read the source and was like, my God, this is unbelievable. I need to reach out to this woman. And perhaps Tara can share the other side of that story. <laughs> You know, Dan, I, I actually forgot that I haven't known you since before I wrote The Source, because um, I feel like I've known you for, you know, forever. It's also a really good example of why to read, why to write books, right? The, the awareness, because you obviously have done so much stuff, but the, the visibility of your work yes. rises so much, right? It's so interesting. Yeah, and I just want to sort of, um, in case it wasn't obvious from, from what I said before, really resonate with what you said that, you know, one of my frustrations as a doctor in the NHS was the food that my patients were being given. I mean, just so awful and unhealthy. And, you know, if we go into a specific, then when I did a bit of child psychiatry, you know, I saw so many little boys mostly with, with ADD and ADHD. And a lot of the time the parents don't want to put their children onto medication, which is fair enough. And, you know, so I was recommending um, omega oils for uh, little boys with ADD. And that's something that's a big part of what we do together. So, yeah, basically... Dan stalked me on Twitter and for some reason I actually agreed to meet him, which I don't think I would ever do now. Um, and it just turned out that, yeah, he was looking for a, a chief science officer. But I think, you know, what was really nice was that he was looking for somebody, maybe that was not the stereotypical, you know, sort of mad professor. And also that I was at the time separately taking all the ingredients that are now in Heights. And I said to him with my travel that I was sometimes carrying 10, 15 bottles of supplements with me in my suitcase. Um, so the thought of, you know, being able to have all of those things in 
one capsule, a double capsule, which you take two of each day, was was amazing. And so it was a real fit from both sides. And, you know, one of the things that Dan said that I really liked was, you you know, you're, you're walking the talk of what we're trying to sell. Um, so, you know, it was very authentic and aligned. And, um, yeah, so we got together then and, you know, designed the smart capsule. And right from the beginning, you know, I was already talking about bolt-on products and so I'm just so excited that our smart probiotic has soft launched now and will be like fully available everywhere in January. Um, Currently taking that myself so and it's really interesting because when I come down to my kitchen and the two bottles are there it's the probiotic I just want to take it straight away and then that kind of reminds me to take the (laughs) smart supplement as well. Um, so yeah, it's really exciting to be able to. So it's with Joel, uh, the other co-founder, that I do w- more on the formulation side, and with Dan, um, more on the sort of like storytelling and community outreach kind of side. I'm the voice. Joel's the brain. <laughs> I love that. And uh, and, and uh, I actually wanted to ask. So I asked you first, Dan. Um, how did the name come to be Heights? Very simply, wanted people wanted the to create a positive brand that is a positive influence in the world and yeah. want to connote things that are uplifting and about people reaching their own heights and i think what's really important for us as a brand is making sure we we, we felt at the time that a lot of stuff in the market was very much about the 1% of the 1% optimizing that mm. final bit of brain power so they can become the ceo or the you know chief this or expert that and actually you know we think what's more interesting is encouraging more people to do more of what they want for longer in their life by making brain care simple and the idea of heights is whatever your version of your heights is in your life we want to help you get there and we don't very much feel like everyone needs to hustle hard and be number one at everything in fact actually most of our reflections certainly i can speak from my own perspective much of my own issues in life come from too much of that mindset and wanting to have more balance and calm in general Mm. so i think it's really important that we we build a brand that speaks to people and recognizes that everyone has different different goals and ambitions and we want heights to help be the product that helps them get to those whatever they may be and uh, so i have your smart supplement you were so kind to send me a huge um pack of them so i've been using them quite regularly in the last couple of weeks and i have noticed you can even i'll send you later my aura data but i have had better sleep which is great and my mood is better um so i definitely can say that they're working for me so i'm really excited just to be continuing this but could you tell us more about what's in like you know a bit about the smart supplement what's inside it and the best way to get them and if you've been living under the rock like this is everywhere. I mean, you see this even from podcasts everywhere. Like I've heard this, but I finally got, you know, it's one of those things where I was like, I'll try it one day, but I never got around to do it. And I'm so glad that I have finally taken them. So I encourage everyone to, oh, to definitely try them. I'll put a link, but tell us about the product. Yeah, no, I'll, let, I'll let Tara do that. But can I just say that I'm, I'm really happy that you have the aura data as well, because mm. it's one of the things that's been really interesting in the trend with wearables is yeah. one of the very common things, of course, like our challenge is, and always was, most supplements don't work because they're crap. And because the Mm. industry, the supplement industry is allowed to get away with making crap products and bad marketing messages and loads of loopholes. And all of these things are are visible in there. And also supplements degrade. So they go into a retail store and they're there for ages and the quality of those nutrients depletes over time and all this stuff. Mm. Um, 
it's hard because people say, you know, like, how do I know if they're working and when will I feel stuff? And actually people with wearables, what's exciting is they can see. They can literally see, wow, mm-hmm. my mood has been better. Well, my sleep has yeah. improved. That is actually really fascinating. The only thing that's changed is I've started taking the smart supplement. And I find that really motivating because it, you know, it's hard for a company to tell you uh, things because yeah. you'll be like, well, you would say that. But it's great when yeah. people get their own insights. Anyway, Tara, sorry, over to you. So there are so many things I love about it. Um, and so I'll start with one that's super practical, which is that it comes once a month in the post and it fits through the letterbox. So, you know, that's just a really like sort of practical thing. Um, the packaging is very pretty, so it's nice to keep it in your kitchen or bathroom and it's recyclable. You can even use it as a mini water bottle after you finish all the, all the capsules. Mm-hmm. The capsule itself is a acid resistant, so it you know it doesn't get destroyed in your stomach. Double capsule with the outer layer being um, made of microalgae, so it's it's vegan, it's sustainable. We hear a lot about fish oils, but actually, fish have omega oils in their body because they eat microalgae. So, and basically, the brain is made up of sixty percent fat, and about half of that is DHA, which is um, a type of omega fatty acid that we can't synthesize that ourselves. So we have to get an outside source for that. And that's what we provide in the outer part of the capsule. The inner part is a multivitamin for your brain. So it's got all the B vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin D, and um, small amounts of other things like iron and vitamin A and zinc, which we tweak on a regular basis, um, depending on, partly on, Um, scientific guidelines but also we've talked about whether we would for example tweak vitamin d seasonally and so the product is always fresh because you get it once a month and there's a lot of decline in shelf life of of supplements it has no caking agents or nasty ingredients in it really important to me that you know every ingredient is of the highest quality for things like antioxidants and polyphenols and anthocyanins which are the you know the most powerful Um, anti-inflammatory products for your body and your brain, you would have to eat like half a punnet of blueberries every day to get, you know, the same benefits. And so basically we have this cute diagram that shows the part of the capsule that that has the equivalent of 24 blueberries in terms of anthocyanins. I suppose the really, you know, the one other really interesting data point on our thing is um, the capsule itself, right? So what is very different to our product compared to any others is that we use a duo capsule. So the Amiga's on the outside, the vitamins on the inside. But the other reason why that's important is just the delivery of of, of the nutrients. It's very easy to sort of casually point that out but it's such a point of differentiation because again the way that we think about things at heights is it's not just about you know better ingredients and it's not just about b corp and making sure they're more sustainable etc like mm-hmm. every single detail you could reinvent a product we've thought about it the capsule in past vitamins is not good enough we make sure there's a better one the delivery isn't good enough. Ours is better. The ingredients aren't high quality enough or in the right dosages. We focus on that. You know, we really just, it's the benefit, interestingly, of being not from this world in the past, mm. right? Like being from a totally different category and questioning every single part of uh, what already exists with a beginner's mindset has been really, really, really helpful, actually. 
One thing which is really, I think, impressive about what you've done with Height so far in such a short time is the community you've built. I think you call them the brain care community. Um, tell us like a little bit about how um, how you sort of garnered and fostered your community and why it's so important to Height. Yeah, it's a great question. So I think one of the things for us is if you look at other brands, as a founder, as a starting point, when you're thinking about how to build something, if you look at the other brands in the space, everything's very top down, right? It's just uh, this product is good for you. There's no there's no connected journey. There's no real sense of connection to the brand. There's no real reason why you would follow that brand on social media or engage in the journey or the story with it. Um, there's also no sense of why, why or how you're doing this together. And I think from a, a positioning point of view, for Heights, the first thing we looked at, you know, is like, well, what are the, like I say, what are the different areas that we can build something towards? Um, community seem to be a really obvious point to us. And the main, main, main reason why this is important is because brain care is not, is a word we made up, right? So first and most importantly, you know, we were very much like, okay, what is this mental health nutrition piece? Like, how do we communicate it? Like, what are the other things that go around that to supplement it to make sure that it is actually impactful and helps people? Um, you know, sitting around scratching our chins, wondering how to execute this. We're like, you know what, it's a lot easier to do this with people giving us feedback consistently back and forth because we're not smart enough to work this out ourselves. So interestingly, our you know, our newsletter, which started off, you know, very much as like a one-way communication, very quickly became a two-way communication. People were responding to us, they were giving us their feedback. And suddenly we're like, oh, this is actually a massive advantage to us. You know, we can um, involve them on our bottle design. We can involve them on new products we want to make. We can involve them in questions that we have. We can ask them what questions they have that they want answered. And over time, we just realized that uh, the benefit of building this with people is so much more rewarding, right? Actually having people sharing their views and sharing their insights on what matters to them helps you as a business get better insights as well and build a better product and a better brand. And a good example is because we have our smart probiotic, uh, you know, coming out in January, uh, you know, we're hosting four community events this month, as an example. These people who are on our newsletter, follow us on social. We're hosting four events for them to just come and ask any questions with Sophie, who's our head of nutrition research, who's a gut expert. Um, these are four one hour sessions where she'll explain, you know, why we've created what we've created, how we have, why gut health is important, how it's connected to the brain, and then as much time as people need and have to have their own questions answered. You know, this is stuff that, um, like fundamentally in 2022, 2023, I think is really important, right? Because people have questions they want answered by brands that they trust and respect. You know, at the end of the day, a brand is nothing more than the sum of ideas put together by people who are collaborating together. And I think it's really nice to bring down the mask of, you know, this is a brand, this is, you know, um, a corporate, this is how things are done here. I think it's quite nice to just remove that veil and show there are real people behind it who are connecting with people on the other side who are really interested to find the answers out to these questions. So for us, it's always been sort of a strategic move that's not only helped us build a better company, but has also helped us answer questions that are actually valuable to people who are interested in our products. So it works on both ways. Yeah, couldn't say better myself. So before we go into fire round, um, I, I really want to ask about the future of Heights. And I think you already alluded to it, Tara, which I'm really excited about is your new probiotic that you guys are creating. So tell us about this product that's coming in, Jan. Um, it's a smart probiotic because it has specific strains of bacteria in it that 
are targeting mental health. So because of the gut-brain connection, the condition, the quality and diversity of your gut microbiome has an impact on your brain and your mental state, as does the fact that if you're stressed, that will have an impact on how good your gut's working and um, the diversity of, of bacteria in your gut. So we have selected a beneficial yeast, which is uh, called Saccharomyces boulardii and is quite different to a lot of other probiotics out there. And particular strains of bacteria, for example, Bifidobacterium longum, which targets inflammation in the brain and body. And then two particular strains that are um, specifically researched as for helping in insomnia and anxiety, and then some other strains of bacteria as well. Um, it's one capsule. You take it once a day. You don't need to keep it in the fridge. Um, like with the smart supplement, you can take it with or without food. So it's easier to, you know, to remember to take it because you can take it at any time of the day. Um, I'm really, it's, it's early days, obviously, but I'm very, very excited to see the feedback that we get about this impact on mental health through a probiotic, which I don't think has ever been done before. Um, and so I would say that our products are past, present and future. So we've got the smart supplement already. We're, we've soft launched the smart probiotic now. And, you know, we're already talking about other products in the future. So, yeah, it's super exciting. And, but, I, I, you know, this next one to three months as people start to tell us how they're feeling with the smart supplement yeah. and the smart pro- probiotic is going to be really exciting. Uh, it's going to be incredible. I, I, yeah, I, I have to definitely, I want to get some too, because I'm, I'm really into the microbiome. I've, I'm good friends with Naveen Jain, and he's got a company called Viome. I don't know if you know. And I have my app that I see uh, what foods are good for my, for my gut. So, and you only realize, like, I actually found out a lot of my intolerances or things I thought mm-hmm. were allergies were actually all gut related. So, it's so important. Uh, but I don't actually have products that are, I guess, helping my gut. I just monitor my gut health. So it's quite interesting oh, that you're creating something need, that yeah. I think I'll need. Yeah. And it's easy to take, which is so important because I'm useless at those stuff. I forget to take my tablets and I forget, it's already halfway. I've finished my meal. I'm like, oh, it's too late. So everything you said is actually so important to the to the average person, especially new into taking supplements. I think it's so important to make it as accessible and easy. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, obviously speaking to you, right, uh, you know, beauty, fashion, yeah. like, you know, it's it, it's so interesting. We took all of our inspiration on how to design our products from the beauty industry. So yeah. we're like, you know, it does matter. It does yeah. matter how things look. Um, oh, sure. And the reason for that is because if it's memorable, people will keep it out. And that's the thing that we learned really early on. People keep supplements in a supplement cupboard and they let them pile up. And before you know it, they just look at that supplement cupboard and get, you know, ugh, like, you know, put off by how many they have and how they haven't taken them. And at the end of the day, the best thing you can do for your brain is is build a habit that lasts. And building habits yeah. is really hard. So, you know, it's part of a responsibility of a great company to make that habit formation as easy for you as possible. And one of the simplest ways to do that, very hard technically, it turns out from our side, but simply for the customer is to make sure that design has been really well thought through. And uh, if it stands out, it means you, like me, like everyone else, you know, keep them visible and in, you know, in in an obvious location. And you look at that every day and you're like, oh, yes, I've remembered to take that, which is very different to sitting in a cupboard. Exactly. You've got to think about the life of it. it has to, you know, it has to do good, but to make it be like, you know, used a lot, it also needs to 
make people feel good as well. And that's very important. And I would add that you can't see your brain. And that's probably a lot of the reason that people don't focus on brain care, but focus on things like skincare and hair care. And look, I absolutely love your hair mask and your hair oil. (laughs) And, you know, I use them a lot. And I use them a lot during the pandemic because stress makes your skin and your hair dry. So I do, as the scientist, you know, focus on a brain care first approach to life. But I'm also taking the smart supplement because it's good for my skin and my hair. And I care about that. Exactly. Very, very important. And I think that's what you guys have done is that amalgamation of like efficacy and making something really beautiful and desirable, which I think is exactly the modern consumer today. So, so excited to see the future of Heights. Um, so before we wrap it up, I know we have a busy day ahead of us, but uh, I, I want to end with a bit of a fire round question. So this is first thing that comes to your mind. So I'll go like Dan first and then Tara. So I'll do like Dan, Tara, Dan, Tara. So Dan, what's another beauty brand you're currently loving right now? Ah, good question. I mean, my, my favorite, my favorite brand, um, in this space full stop is Desiem. Yeah. Great answer. Great answer. Does that count? That counts. Yeah. I use, I use the ordinary every day. So, and I, and they, I think they've done a really great job of getting me to care enough about it to become a routine and a ritual. So, you know, every single day, um, I use the ordinary moisturizer and then I yeah. use Neod as like a face cleanser thing at night. Nice. Very cool. Uh, and Tara, of course, Fable and Main, we know, but let's yeah, say not, not, not our brands. <laughs> I'm kidding. But. No, well, I did vote your brand um, the best hair oh. product for the Get the Gloss Awards oh. a couple of years yes. ago. But I, Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. I would say like what in, part, in terms of self-care during the pandemic, Aromatherapy Associates, because it's really high quality like Heights, but, but it's essential oils. And that's, you know, good for your skin. It's good for your olfactory nerve, which also impacts your limbic system. So, yeah, that's what I would pick. I love aromatherapy. Um, Next question is for Dan. What's a guilty pleasure of yours? Guilty pleasure of mine is, I mean, I'm not sure how guilty it is, but, you know, I'm obsessed with, I'm obsessed with hummus. Don't know if that's helpful. Who is it? I'm also obsessed is, oh yeah sorry guilty okay it's a good one think it's something, good. Uh, overindulging in hummus would be a guilty yeah, pleasure it's quite, so i probably counts. do overindulge in hummus don't worry about that um <laughs> yeah uh, and, and also banana chips randomly i mean yeah. I, I i have a problem I, i'm not really i don't know when to stop as in yeah. like what one more what would what what bad and then i it's eat a so whole bag addictive. and i feel terrible that's a great answer i feel you I'm... dan have you ever had black hummus oh yeah black hummus no but i also have a belief after trying all the different hummuses that i i actually don't like people messing with hummus it's just you know all the hummus fancy versions of hummus and garlic and hummus and this i'm like you know what just just Great hummus is great hummus. Stop messing with it. It's just that the anthocyanins in the dark skin of black chickpeas is better for your brain. That's all. Yeah, I'm open to trying it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try black hummus now. You got me. That's very exciting, actually. I didn't know that. Uh, Tara, what's a guilty pleasure of yours? Dark chocolate. So it's not so guilty because it's dark. So that's good for your brain. Yeah. Um, but okay. I used to have a terrible sweet tooth when I was younger and I had to really work on reducing that so guys um i would love for everyone to continue following your journey and of course the brand so what are your handles and where can people continue to find you guys and um, so you can find me at dan murray Serta on all uh, all platforms but mostly linkedin and twitter and um well okay i mean i am on instagram as well i, I was going in order of preference of the ones i enjoy 
Um, and obviously for Heights, you can find us at Your Heights and yourheights.com until we become really successful and can just buy all the Heights domains. <laughs> We're Your Heights till then. And I'm Dr. Tara Swart on Instagram and Tara Swart. Amazing. Well, I'll put all the links and I'll also put the link to your website as well so everyone can definitely try. I cannot advocate this enough. It's amazing. So um, really congratulations on what you've done and I uh, can't wait to try the probiotic too because I need it. And what's next in store for Heights is just, just the beginning. So thanks very much for sharing your story. Thanks so much for joining us on the journey. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.